Welcome listeners to this podcast of Shoot from the Hip. I'm Jeff Pedro in with Mark Avery and we're from Sim Trainer, the Dayton area's first indoor range and firearms training center. We're located at 2031 Dryden Road in Moraine, right across from DP&L. You can visit us on the web at sim-trainer.com. That's www.sim-trainer.com. Or you can give us a call at the range at 937-293-3914. And we'd be more than glad to discuss with you uh, any of your firearms-related needs or interests. I want to remind our listeners that we have a, a online store that is stocked with many items that uh, you're probably interested in buying. And then as I've mentioned several weeks leading up to today's podcast, Christmas is now only about seven weeks away. And I'm sure that you need to start looking uh, uh, for something special for yourself or for somebody special in your life. And right now, as we've mentioned so many times, almost everything is available. So if you're interested, take a look at our store tab and see if there's something that you might be interested in. Make sure you look through several of the items because you might find something there that you didn't even know was out there. We've had a couple of people in the last couple months who bought stuff that um, I was unfamiliar with, and uh, when they came in to purchase it, and Mark asked exactly how they came about uh, finding that item, they said, well, we were looking through the thousands of items that were on the page, and I took an interest in a particular uh, firearm. I did some research, and he ended up buying a bolt-action rifle. So um, it certainly is an opportunity for you to familiarize yourself with some of the other stuff that's out there and also take advantage of the great deals on the regular items that are available in a plentiful supply and uh, at very good prices. So please take uh, an opportunity to take a look at our uh, store tab and see if there's something there that you're interested in. It's also a great opportunity to see if there's something you might want for yourself and let your family know that, you know, oh, dad is looking for something cool or mom. Let's face it, we've got everybody that listens to this podcast. And if you find something that you like out there, you can kind of identify where that is and send them a link to it, and then they can get it shipped to Sim Trainer for you to, for them to pick up. That should make it real easy. And uh, since stuff is readily available, it's usually shipped and sitting in our in our store within three days. So it's a, a easy, short turnaround. You can get what you need. I want to take today's show and um, talk a little bit about the horrific incident that happened in New York. Um, I want to talk about a couple of different topics. I'm talking, obviously, about the... Um, uh, radicalized jihadi who took the um, rented vehicle and drove down the bike path and killed uh, at least eight people and critically injured many more. Um, one thing I wanted to mention about that, it was, uh, it was terrible that he killed anybody at all, but five of the eight people killed were um, from a group of Argentinians who had come to New York City to celebrate the 30th anniversary of something. I don't remember what it was, but they were just here visiting uh, the wonderful city of New York when this uh, terrible incident occurred. Um, there was another Belgian woman who was uh, here. I don't know if it was on business or pleasure, but uh, she was another of the, the, the eight killed and a very terrible situation. But I just want to take a minute. We talk about um, terrible incidents. I know that just a, a month ago um, we had the, the, the slaughter out in uh, Las Vegas uh, where the gunman got up at the high, high point of the Mandalay Bay um, hotel and rained uh, deadly fire down on a crowd at a, a country concert. But uh, here again, we look at the situations in the previous incident in Las Vegas. Subject used a firearm that was modified. A couple of them were modified with the uh, now infamous bump stock. And then just yesterday, probably for at least the fifth time in the last three or four years, 
an individual used a truck, some sort of a vehicle to run people down, uh, not only here in this country, but th- throughout the world. There, there, uh, um, apparently, there have been several calls for them to do this, and uh, several of these lone wolves are people that are operating in, in um, uh, small pockets of, of groups of uh, uh, terrorist-type organizations are starting to find different ways. And the reason I bring that up is um, we were just talking about a month ago banning bump stocks, banning guns, um, doing things of that nature. And I found it ironic that the, after the incident, there was a press conference by the, the Governor Cuomo of uh, uh, New York and also the mayor. And Governor Cuomo, within a couple of minutes after he talked about the, the great um, diversity in the city of uh, New York and, and how this should no way, shape, or form uh, result in stringent policies, he immediately tacked the president who was against some of the um, the lottery system for allowing people in this uh, country without uh, um, proper vetting. But right away, he took an opportunity to do that. And then within uh, just a minute or so, he shift gears and said, and we really need to do something about guns in this country, and we got to have some successful um, um, renovations to our or revisions to our our gun laws so that we can get a handle on some of this violence going on. So he didn't waste a minute um, to take the opportunity to take a jab at the the gun community. And here in this example, we see again, it's not the object, it's the person and their ideology and their and their mental state that we need to focus on. Here it was an individual who took a truck and ran people down on bike while, while they were walking and then crashed into a, I believe it was a school bus and, and some other people were seriously injured. But uh, yet again, not the gun, not the truck, but we got to focus on the individual that seems to be put in the back. And when he got out, he did have a couple of guns, a pellet gun and it, what I understand have been uh, a paintball gun. And that's that was not, in fact, if it wasn't for those, it might have been more difficult to identify who he was, but because he continued to do something, and I mean, there was no, uh, there was no deadly force in any of those and there was he wasn't going to kill anybody with those he'd already done most of the damage he was going to do but it made it actually easier for law enforcement to find and stop him as a result of that and so what are they is he proposing that we stop making pellet guns and 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 paintball guns available to criminals who want to turn themselves in. I mean, and, and let me just ridiculous. address that particular issue. It really is irrelevant that they were paintball and uh, pellet guns. If the police had a reasonable good faith belief, which in this case they did, that the individual created a situation where he posed a risk to uh, uh, citizens and themselves, they were justified in using deadly force, um, even though they later on found out that these guns were not actual um, lethal firearms. firearms. Yeah, and and in fact, the same thing would have been true for any civilian who had been able to do that. Although in New York City, that's pretty rare, simply because getting a concealed handgun license or actually a permit in New York City, you, you, that's not a license. You don't just get one because you've met all the requirements. Somebody has to say, okay, it's all right if you have one. We're going to permit you to have one. So it's definitely a shall issue and usually a not issue system in New York City even more restricted than New York State. So here we have statewide preemption where only the Ohio General Assembly can set laws for anything related to firearms in New York. Not only is it not a shall issue where you can automatically get a license when you've met all the qualifications, they have different rules for New York City, and the license or the permit that you would get for all of New York wouldn't even be valid in New York City unless New York City has said so. Well, so here you have one of the most restrictive 
set of systems cities in the in the United States with respect to the individual right to keep and bear arms, and still something like this happens, which of course you know it there's it's very difficult to stop someone who is dedicated to do something dangerous and they have a tool they can do it with, which in this case was a truck. You know, and and again, Mark, they. Every time situations like this happen, they look at what they can do to respond. Well, in in the gun situations, they want to do, you know, talk about mental health issues, people, whether or not they have mental health issues that need to be detected earlier, better reporting of mental health issues. Then they talk about gun accessibility. Um, And we've seen time and time again where, just like in Las Vegas, it wasn't an issue of... uh, uh, the individual, at least as from what we know now, he was able to acquire multiple firearms legally. In the case of New York, you have New York, New Jersey, California, Illinois, and and D.C. They have the strictest laws governing guns in in the country. Yet people still find ways to do bad things. Um, you look at uh, um, flying airplanes into towers, blowing up buildings with fertilizer and uh, um, jet fuel or whatever it was they used in Oklahoma City bombing. Fuel, oil, yeah, uh, people are going to find ways to do terrible things. And several of the commentators this week acknowledged that to live in the free society that we do, these are things that we're going to have to deal with every time they come about. We have, um, and I wish they would spend more time because they talk about it in passing many times about the numerous plots that have been foiled due to um, aggressive um, investigation before the situation came to fruition. Uh, but they t- they all they typically say about those as well, the, the feds working with local law enforcement were able to foil a, a situation and, and avert potentially a, a subway train from being blown up. It would well, be nice to know in a lot of ways because it would help us to see just what they're doing. But on the other hand, just knowing what they've discovered makes it that much more difficult to discover it next time because it reveals what they have the ability to track. Yeah. So I understand why they don't want to say. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad they are. They recognize that that would make it actually a, more of a risk. But, yeah, it would be nice if we could know. You know, and then again, you, each one of these incidents, we hear about the horrific details, but there are heroic actions of individuals, whether it's the law enforcement officer who ultimately put this, uh, uh, this uh, um, subject down, um, in New York City, or whether it's um, other people who came to the aid of the injured and maybe stopped somebody from uh, bleeding out right there on the scene, just as was the case out in Las Vegas, and that has been the case in incidents across this country and across the world um, time and time again. And it just would be nice if we spent a little bit of time um, celebrating, to a certain degree, the heroic actions of many of these people, because they didn't have to get involved. Nobody has to Emerge, immerse themselves into situations like this. And some of them probably did it instinctively rather than with not much conscious thought. Something went on, all of a sudden they cast themselves, they were cast in the middle of the situation and they just started acting and their actions resulted in uh, many people's lives being saved to a large degree, I would, I would venture to guess. And that is kind of the nature of who we are as a people, to be willing to do whatever's necessary to help someone who's in need. And you talk about not just in a situation like this where there's an immediate life-saving need, but also around the world when there is a financial need due to some tragedy, a a hurricane or tsunami or some other natural event where people's lives are devastated. And it's the United States citizen, not just the government, but the United States citizens who contribute from their own pockets to help people because they're compassionate, they care about what other people are feeling, and they want them to, to have a life that 
is better than they would otherwise have. And it's a great thing, and it's who we are, and I think it's well, who we should continue it, to be. Just last night, there was an example of that. The Houston Astros won the World Series. They beat the Los Angeles Dodgers in seven games. And uh, one of the big things during the, the series was Houston Astros portrayed a a patch on their chest it had Houston strong and obviously that was from the you know terrible weather related yeah, hurricane but, issues that came through and just uh, devastated that town and all throughout the series you had the players say this is for Houston this is for the citizens of Houston several of the players had pictures of their own residences that had been damaged by the the water and the wind and the well, you know the effects of the, the the direct effects and the after effects of the hurricane and um, that, that was just another example where here the players came together. They also donated, uh, and it was a record number of home runs hit in the playoffs. I think it was 104 in the entire uh, playoffs, and then a whole bunch more in the World Series, another record number. And they, along with uh, several businesses, T-Mobile, had donated, I believe it was over $2.5 million for hurricane relief as a result of uh, some of the activities that they, they chose to get involved in um, coming into the playoffs and then through the World Series. So uh, not only them, but the citizens uh, showed up. Um, even though the last game last night was played in Los Angeles, the, um, uh, the the ball field in Houston was filled to capacity where the people were watching it on the Jumbotron, obviously getting excited. Then they had a post-game celebration because they couldn't go all the way to L.A., so they did the next best thing, as is common these days. They stay in the home arena and, and watch the watch the show on uh, television. But um, uh, some of those people, obviously, many of those people were, were affected by that, but it just does show the great spirit of, of the American people. And I just want to you know, when we talk about all these things, I know there's citizens, law enforcement officers, legislators. We look at the last two incidents. Um, where do we go from here? What do we do? Um, do we do we have to do something? I know there are people asking, do we have to do something? What can we do to stop this? I know they were already talking about um, several of the truck rental places are already implemented. I don't know what it was, but some policy to help mitigate against these sorts of things. And, and I know those questions are being asked. And, and Mark, I ask you and I ask our listeners, you know, relative to the incident in Las Vegas, relative to what happened in New York City, you know, where do we go from here? What do we do differently, if anything at all? And um, where do we direct our focus? I think those are questions that people have and, and, and they're kind of milling around back and forth with their, their groups of uh, close friends, associates, coworkers, and things of that nature. Well, it's a fair, those are fair questions to ask, and they're the right questions to ask. And we need to ask those questions with a focus towards what can we do that will actually have an effect, as opposed to, well, we've just got to do something, so let's do this. And we see that so many times. We've got a bill right now that was just introduced in Congress that would limit magazine capacity to a maximum of 10. Well, we've already seen how little that had, what kind of effect that had, which was zero effect, no reduction in crime whatsoever for any of those kinds of restrictions because, as you and I know, and as anybody who has any experience with firearms knows, you just get more magazines. You can change magazines very quickly, especially if you're practiced. In fact, it's easier to handle magazines of a reasonable design capacity rather than one that's extremely long with extended capacity just because of balance and the and weight and, and, weight and the, um, the ease of manipulation. So with a standard size magazine, and no, 10 rounds is not necessarily a standard round magazine. It might be 7, it might be 15, it might be 20, whatever it is, it's designed for that particular firearm. That's a, a standard size magazine is going to be the easiest to manipulate rapidly. And it really isn't a matter of 
the size, the number of rounds that you can get in a magazine, yeah, it, it certainly would have affected the length of the burst of fire when you have someone who's like in Las Vegas. But if you can change magazines and you have three days to bring in as many loaded magazines as you want, that the fact that somebody's going to change magazines is not going to have any effect. So then what are they going to do? Say, well, we'll limit the total number of magazines you can possess. Well, that's ridiculous. I mean, that that's just simply not going to be effective. Uh, well, we're going to make sure that people who already have those magazines can. Well, how are you going to do that? Their magazines, for the most part, don't have dates of manufacture. They don't have serial numbers. There's no way to indicate whether or not you legally possess that magazine prior to the ban going into effect, which is what they're talking about doing. So, yeah, I agree. We need to we need to ask some of those questions, but we can't accept answers that make no sense and then say, but we have to do something, so let's do whatever, and it makes no sense, even though somebody is very sincere in their desire to do something that they think will have an effect, but they haven't thought through the process to actually look at the impacts of the change that they would make. That's one of the biggest problems that I think we have in government policy is that people who make policies don't bother to look at the so-called unintended consequences. Uh, It's really their consequences that they didn't think of. Yeah, they're unintended. It's not what they meant for them to do, but they were absolutely foreseeable. And those kinds of changes that make those kinds of impacts and then have these other consequences that weren't what they intended to do, but were an obvious consequence of the policy that change they made, they should be held accountable for those as well. And unfortunately, we too often don't do that. So, yeah, we should think about what can we do. We've talked about many times the mental health issues and how mental health issues in this country, not just in this country, but, you know, prime, with this war, we have the most effect, where we aren't really free to talk about mental health and mental illness as a clinical process and recognize it as an injury or as an illness and deal with it as it as the same as we would any other injury or illness we don't look at anybody as some sort of subclass human because they have pneumonia or cancer but when somebody has some sort of mental uh, injury or illness then somehow because well it's talking about the brain well we can't really talk about that or it's we're not we don't talk about it seriously We talk about it with touchy-feely things, and we don't really do anything to say, what can we do to fix that? I'll tell you one thing. Changing the way law-abiding people have to purchase firearms and adding restrictions to those of us who would like to get firearms is not going to stop someone who has a mental illness and has decided to do something evil because whether they can get a firearm legally or not, they're going to be able to get something that will allow them to do what they want to do in their twisted perspective on reality, it's not going to stop them because some legislature somewhere has passed a law. You know, Mark, you brought up a lot of good points in in that five-minute kind of informative rant. Tirade, okay. (laughs) No, um, one of the things I just want to to mention is that that sometimes, um, even though we want to do something, Maybe the initial reaction is there's not much we can do. And the biggest thing you said there is that we need to think about what's going to have a positive effect. Right now, another issue that's um, just uh, 
um, devastating this country, the, the opioid issue. We talked about this a couple shows ago. And there's people who want to do something. There are families who are affected. Um, you, you hear the numbers. I couldn't believe the other day. Well, actually, in the last year or two, in the state of Ohio, opioid overdose had passed traffic accidents as the leading cause of death between 15 and 24-year-olds. And then here's another number I, th- I heard the other day, that opioid, o- opioid overdose um, is more than double the rate of traffic accidents and firearms homicides combined. So when you look at the number, you're talking 100,000 just if you take a conservative number. And obviously there's people who say we want to do something. I know the president has declared a uh, um, what's the so term? A national, emergency national emergency. Like that, and yeah. That's going to free up uh, you know local, state, and federal resources to, to kind of combine together and to come up with a a solution and there there are things I'm sure that they can do at every level and um, the biggest thing I have to I can't help but to no matter what problem we have in this country too many people I think look to government for an answer when in fact we got to start looking at the family and the family units and individuals and the people immediately surrounding those individuals whether it's a person that's a, a crazed gunman a uh, um, you got these radicalized uh, um, terrorists who are going around the country. Many times there's somebody who knows about what they're doing. They just don't come forward for any um, any number of reasons. The same is true with people who are going to go and, and use firearms. The same is true with uh, people who uh, deal and, and use use drugs. There's people in their circles who know that choose not to do certain things. And there's a lot of reasons why people don't do certain things. But we got to stop, I think. My personal opinion, my professional opinion, we have to stop relying on government to come with, up with answers to all these problems. Well, um, certainly we the government stop. can provide some resources and some assistance, and we can, we can utilize whatever um, federal agencies that, that might be able to contribute. But by and large, we got to start taking some of this on the local level and, and dealing with it head-to-head. I think the reverse is also true in that not only do we as citizens need to stop relying on the government— the government needs to stop looking at itself as the solution to all problems. And I think that's where we have a real defect in the way we've allowed government to overstretch the boundaries that were laid out for it in the Constitution. Speaking primarily of the federal government, but the same thing applies to state governments and overreach from their own constitutions. The government wasn't given the power to do much of what it currently does. And the boundaries that are laid out in the Constitution are supposed to be absolute. So we we have then taken words that are in the Constitution and twisted them to mean things they were never originally intended to mean. And then because people have heard that over and over and over that, well, the general welfare clause means that we can do pretty much whatever we need to. That's not what that clause is about. And it doesn't mean that the general welfare, it does not mean that we have to go out and make sure that each person has their own personal welfare. That's not what that's talking about. And Health and Human Services is a department that really doesn't have a constitutional basis. The the Food and Drug Administration could, if it stayed within the boundaries of making sure that people were informed and that the the drug supply and the food supply were safe, but that's not what it does. It does that, but that's not all it does. And instead, it overreaches and says, okay, and we're going to tell you what you're not allowed to do to yourself. I have a problem with that. Now, this whole thing with the opioids, yes, it's a problem, but it's a problem that is a self-inflicted wound. And people, if, if you're shooting yourself in the foot hurts, don't shoot yourself in the foot. 
That's that's the real fix is to say, don't do this. Now, some people say, well, it's too attractive and, and they're already addicted. Okay, well, you know, that's fine. We've maybe gotten to this point. We've not allowed people to be individually accountable and to um, endure the consequences of their own actions. So there may need to be a transition to get to that. But at some point, we need to say, this is your problem and you need to take care of it yourself don't take this stuff. If you take this stuff, it's going to kill you. And if it kills you, that's your problem. And it's tough on you, on your family, and those people who depend on you. It is not the role of government to step in there and prevent you from doing something that damages yourself. Now, if I am manufacturing these drugs and I'm selling them to others and it's causing harm to others, okay, I think the role there is a role for, of government in there to make the food supply and the drug supply safe. But that's something I'm doing to somebody else. I am violating someone else's right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and property. And that's where I believe that that needs to change in the philosophy of the way government operates. And I don't see that happening anytime soon. But until we as a people contact our legislators and say, look, you need to stop doing this nonsense. This is not your role. It's not why we sent you to Congress or to the state legislature. Well, unfortunately, unfortunately, Mark, just my personal experience is they're not being very responsive. Most recently, I've sent five inquiries to people at various levels, various representatives at the state and federal level, and I've got nothing of significance. I got one reply, and it was a canned reply, and four others didn't even reply even after a follow-up. And I'm concerned about that. And that was specifically done over the last break when I thought they would have a little bit more time to give a little bit of attention to some of the issues. I think another thing that's... uh, so unfortunate here, whether it's guns or opioids or terrorism, by politicizing everything, they immediately cast it into a different light, and that changes the whole argument away from the real issue to the politics involved in it. And that's a terrible, unfortunate reality of the situation we're in right now. And uh, this last example, or this last incident, is a prime example, just as the uh, Las Vegas one was before. Facts were known before details were distributed. There was uh, political issues being raised on both sides, and that's kind of where we're at, and we're, we're spinning. We're spinning our tires in the mud. More and more times, rather than looking to find a solution, they are setting up boundaries and saying, this is our position, and you people on the other side of the fence are evil, and demonizing those who disagree with them rather than saying, so where can we agree and let's get something that we agree on that's actually going to work and move that portion forward. And then we'll talk about the stuff that we disagree about and try to find a solution for that as well. But there's not been any trying to find a solution. And I think I'm I'm certainly one of the people, and there's a lot of people who are disappointed with what's happening in Washington thinking that after the last election and the changes that did occur, that there would be a change in the tone, and there doesn't seem to have been as much as certainly a lot of people hope for, certainly as much as I hope for. Well, you know, Mark, I want to take the opportunity right now to remind our listeners that we, we will be live on the air next week. That'll be uh, August, or I'm sorry, October, November 11th. Jeez, we're already in November. November 11th. And um, a couple things, I, the reason I want to bring that up now is because I would like to use that show. There's a lot of you out there who have been listening to the podcast for the last several weeks, um, and uh, you've obviously had strong feelings, opinions about some of the things we've discussed. And I would like you to give us a call here at the studio next week and, and talk about anything that we've talked about over the last several weeks. 
Uh, maybe something was on your mind. You just didn't have the time. Remember, you can always go out to our website at sim-trainer.com and under the contact tab, you can send us an email and we will be more than glad to respond to you individually. Or if we feel it's an issue that needs to be brought to the attention of the, the larger listening audience, uh, we will use anonymity, but we'll present the issue and uh, at least get some comments out there and give people a, a chance to respond. But next week, since we're going to go back live and we will have several live shows over the next uh, six or eight weeks, um, we're going to be preempted by UD uh, basketball on a few occasions. But um, I just want to use next show to kind of be a mouthpiece for you to express some of your concerns because we've talked about a lot of issues and there's been a lot happen over the last eight or 10 weeks uh, where um, it, whether it's gun related or even remotely related to any of the topics we've talked about, we want to give you the opportunity to join in that discussion. So be uh, please tune into our show next week. We'll be on the air at two o'clock on Saturday. And uh, then you can call us here at the studio and we can discuss any of those issues or any concerns you might have. Mark, I'm going to go ahead and shift gears just for a minute and remind our listeners that um, we are going to honor our veterans uh, beginning next week. We're going to have a veterans, we call it the Veterans Day special, but it's actually going to extend through the end of the month. We have a great deal going on for uh, any uh, current or retired military personnel. We're going to give you an opportunity to come down and see our range and experience our range. You're going to get um, a free lane. You'll get free gun rental, gun of your choice, 60 of our rental guns in the safe. You can pick the one that you want. You get a free target and a free patriotic hat. The only thing we ask is that you buy the ammo for the gun there at the range. In addition, uh, we're offering trial memberships, three-month trial memberships to the range, which are normally $75. But for any veteran who comes in between the 11th, that'll be next week, the 11th and the 30th, um, you get $25 off that uh, trial membership, and you can try it out for three months if you're interested. But even if you're not interested in the trial membership option there, come on down and take advantage of your opportunity to see the range, experience the range, talk to our staff, um, see if it's something you want to get involved in. I know that one of the issues, particularly with people who work at places where they can't um, transport their firearms, they'd like to come to the range after work because they only have a window of opportunity, maybe an hour, an hour and a half. Well, this will provide you that opportunity because you won't have to worry about transporting your firearm on the base or to a prohibited location. You can come down to the range. You can rent a gun. We're going to give you a free lane, going to give you a free target, going to give you your choice of a patriotic hat that we have in stock. And um, we'll, we'll just simply have you fill out a waiver liability. We'll talk about our range rules. Staff will go out and help you set up your target. And you can have a positive experience there at the range. Again, we're going to offer that um, beginning next Friday, um, which I believe is the 10th, actually. And it will pro proceed through the end of the month because uh, several of the advertising that we have relative to Veterans Day will go out on Friday. So we want to give people an opportunity to take advantage of that activity. And just to clarify, that's for all veterans, whether, I mean, active duty, yes, the, you guys too, but all, and, and gals, but all veterans, even if you're not retired, if you just separated from the service, you're eligible for that too. Just give us some proof that you were in the service. If you've got a DD-214 or any other kind of identification that shows that you've been in the military, then that that's all we need for you to be part of this program. And as far as the different types of guns you can shoot, I just want to go over. We have the entire Glock line of popular uh, Glock guns. We have Ruger, um, semi-automatic pistols and revolvers. We have Smith & Wesson, semi-automatic pistols and revolvers. And we have uh, Springfield, semi-automatic pistols and revolvers, or Springfield, semi-automatic pistols. And then uh, we also have a couple 1911s. So if you're interested in shooting 1911 45 caliber, we have some of those. And we also have some AR 
um, variant rifles, whether it's our M4 variant rifles, whether it's in 223 or even some of the 22 conversion, um, whatever it is you want to try out, we, we have those in stock. So we want you to come on down. We also, because of the popularity, recent popularity of pistol caliber carbine, we have a couple of the, the nicest pistol caliber carbines current on the market. Uh, the one that I think everybody should surely try is the Sig Sauer MPX, but also the the, the Beretta CX-4 Storm and then some of the Just Right Carbine um, uh, pistol caliber carbines. All are in, all the ones we have in the range are in 9mm, but pistol caliber carbines come in 9mm, 40, and 45. And if there's something you like, we can certainly give you a chance to try one or a couple of the ones we have in stock. And then if you're interested in purchasing one, we can help you do that also because pistol caliber carbine seems to kind of be the new thing um, in the in the firearms world, and we certainly certainly want to give you the opportunity to do that. But next week again, it's for veterans, um, uh, current uh, military or retired. Come on down to the range. You're going to get a free lane, uh, free gun rental, a free target, a patriotic hat, and um, you just buy the ammo there. And uh, you can you can after you get your free gun, you can get additional guns. You can buy additional ammo. You can stay as long as you want. We uh, have extended that again for about three weeks. So if you can't make it specifically next Friday or Saturday, then you're going to have the rest of November uh, to get into the range. And we'll have uh, a lot of open opportunities. You can visit our website at sim-trainer.com and um, give you the opportunity to do that. In addition, one other thing I want to mention, every veteran who comes in will be given a ticket for a drawing for a Smith & Wesson M&P pistol. So if you're a veteran, you come in, you make any purchase, you get a trick ticket for a drawing. We're also selling tickets for that drawing, uh, which is going to be held on um, the following week on the 20th. Uh, we're going to draw for that pistol, but uh, you can buy tickets for $10 a piece or three for 20, but every veteran or every um, current or retired who comes in, you're going to get one free ticket with any purchase. So if you come and take advantage of the the Veterans Day special and you buy a box of ammo, you're going to get your uh, free ticket for that drawing. And I suspect just based on how other drawings, there'll be less than 100 tickets given out and or um, sold over the course of that week. So your chances of winning that Smith & Wesson M&P pistol are pretty good. The other thing that we have going on in the next within the next week, we have a basic handgun class coming up this Sunday and we have a concealed carry class coming up next Saturday. So if you are interested in doing that, there are spaces available in both of those classes. Uh, you can take both classes together and get the, the basic handgun class off, 50% off. So uh, both classes normally would be $200. You get both classes for $150. Uh, the ammo is not included in that. But if you um, then you so you'd need to buy the ammo for that based on whether it's your gun or our gun for the basic handgun class. That is great for people who haven't yet figured out exactly what type of handgun they want to use. Uh, they may have decided they want to get into uh, self-defense and be able to carry a firearm for personal defense, but they haven't really learned a lot about handling a, a handgun yet, and they haven't really selected one of their own. So we strongly recommend that rather than going to a gun show or a store and just buying a gun and then learning how to use it, you first learn how to use the gun, and in the process of doing that, figure out which gun really works best for you. Which ones do you like to shoot and what feels good in your hand? Which one are you comfortable with the way it operates, the way it feels? And then you can then decide to purchase that gun. But even if you're not quite ready to purchase, you can still use ours. And then when you take the uh, concealed carry class the following weekend, you already are well ahead of people who've 
just maybe had a, a little bit of an introduction or maybe went to the range with a friend and learned a few basic fundamentals but don't really have a good comfort with their handgun. And the shooting portion of the class is really not what gets people anyway, but it is a high stress if you're not comfortable doing that, and that completely eliminates that stress if you take the basic handgun class first and then come to take the concealed carry class. There are slots available in both of those classes. We'd love to have you come sign up for those. You know, Mark, there's a, just in the last last couple of days, I talked with a member who's been a member for about a year, and we were talking about how he, um, over the last year on several occasions, has been just overwhelmed when he walks into a gun store, and he mentioned he's been in small mom and pop uh, retail stores and then some of the big chain stores. And he said, I just look at the wall and the, 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 the displays and I'm just overwhelmed because there's so much to pick and so much to choose from. And that is the case, especially now because everything's abundantly available. Yeah, for a long time, you'd go into a store and the cupboards were bare. Yes, and yeah, that's not the case now. Available. That but, is clearly not the case. But kind of to reiterate what Mark said, the main advantage to that basic handgun class is you're going to shoot uh, up to 12 to 15 of the most popular guns that are currently on the market. And even though you may not decide to buy one of those 10, 12, or 15 guns, there'll probably be something there that will jump out at you so that you'll start looking closer at a particular size of gun a particular model of gun, a particular gun or, or line with certain features, whether it's a single stack or a double stack, you'll at least know that so you can make some informed decisions. And I think that's where um, I, I too am overwhelmed. When I go into some of the big box stores, I look up on the counter and I, I went in about two weeks ago and I was looking at a pretty hard to get um, Winchester 1873 a rifle. It's kind of, it's it's one of those things on my want list. I've got everything that I really need. And so I'm looking at some of the things I want and it had the the old, I forget what they call it, kind of the, the dulled blued uh, finish to make it look like the old west. It was really a nice looking gun. And But looking around at all the other guns, I mean, literally I was looking specifically at one, but there were probably thousands when you counted, certainly in the high hundreds. And I know quite a bit about guns and I was overwhelmed. So I tell people right now is probably the time to really look at recreational shooting and training. We um, uh, just tonight, we're starting our, our final um, uh, handgun one through five series of classes. Um, by the way, let me let Final you know for this year, for this year, yeah. for this year. Yes, we got the new ones that will be coming up. And because of high demand, we've been offering them every two months. So at least six times a year. In addition, I'm doing many, many, many private lessons. So if you can't meet the regular schedule and you want to do some advanced training, we can do any and all of the classes in a um, individual or at least small group format. So if you are um, interested in getting some advanced training, now's the time to start thinking about that because we're already starting to plan the 2018 calendar. Well, we want to thank everyone very much for joining us. Don't forget that on Saturday the 11th, we will have a live show. So join us back here on WHIO AM 1290 and News 95.7 for Shooting from the Hip next Saturday at 2 p.m. And we'll be glad to have you back with us then. Thanks for listening to the Shooting from the Hip podcast. Thinking about learning to shoot? Considering buying a gun? Want to enjoy the sport of shooting with a friend or family member? How about getting involved in competitive shooting? Sim Trainer offers all these opportunities and more. Visit, call, or stop by. Visit us at sim-trainer.com. Call the range at 293-3914 or stop by the range at 2031 Dryden Road. Then listen to the podcast by clicking the radio link at sim-trainer.com.